Greetings, episode 2.15, go. October 14th, 4.39pm. Last night I had a long, detailed, almost baroque or gothic in detail dream. It was an autumn dream, for sure. This time of year, my dreams usually start becoming more intense. Most of the big events in my life have taken place at this time of year, when Halloween is on the horizon or at hand. The biggest changes in my adulthood have happened at that time, and I was born on October 21st. I'm a Libra. I'm proud of and happy for my mother, who recently went to her second eye surgery. Both surgeries went well, I'm happy to say. Back to the dream. In that dream there were gusty winds from which I ran at one point, covering my head with one arm as I ran, because there were tall trees and I knew that branches could fall on me. Falling branches can kill and maim. I grew up around very tall trees, so I'm particularly aware of this. In that dream, there was a storm approaching. It was a seaside town, or terminal. And also in the dream was a huge old house with creaking wooden floors. It was the home of a friend that I met in London while living there in late 2019. This home in this old wooden building with the creaking floors was her home and she needed to go somewhere else and needed a house sitter to watch the place while she was away and I was the one who was doing that. It was full of old time things but without any of the feeling that I often get at flea markets for example of mustiness and sadness about the remains of people's lives, whether remains of happiness or sadness in their lives. I don't often go to flea markets anymore. Well, no one does these days, but I had stopped wanting to do that anyway because I found them so depressing. In this dream, these old world things, things of lace and wood and porcelain, vases and curtains and carpets, armchairs, ornaments that you rarely see these days. They were fresh in feel. They didn't feel like fragments of a past life. They were part of the present in the most beautiful way when something from times past continues into the present. It wasn't a musty place at all. The air there smelled good. And fresh. There were also wooden spiral staircases. One of them went into the depths of the basement and I didn't know how vast wherever it led to was what kind of underground catacomb or labyrinth maybe connecting to other buildings in the town. I didn't know my friend hadn't told me and I was exploring that a little ways on my own. There were also, for some reason, other people moving about randomly in that home, in that house, even though it was my friend's place. I don't know why they were there, but this had something to do with the fact that in an early part of the dream, 
I decided I was going to play the scariest adventure game ever made. And the dream itself was that game. So all the actions I was taking in that dream were also part of the fiction of that game. I was the main character and I knew that horrible things could happen. There was a potential for anything, any kind of attack or violence. At one point I got frustrated, however, because there was a sequence that required performing a set of tasks within a tight time limit. I was supposed to collect all the necessary items from a kind of laboratory storage room when the people working there stepped out of the room for a moment. But they always came back before I had finished my task and I gave up on continuing the game at that point. I was frustrated at the designers having done that. But the dream extended beyond that point. It was the same dream, the same long dream. And there were more moments involving that place and my friend. Even though that dream had that scary aspect, I still wished I could have kept dreaming that dream to continue in that world. It was a fully formed place. When I was running from the strong winds, when the storm was starting, the sea was to my left with hewn stones on the embankment and the house that belonged to my friend was directly in front of me. There were other houses also around. It was a kind of a square at the edge of the sea and there were some tall trees including one right in front of the house that I was running into. That was the tree where I could easily imagine a branch falling from. Theatre, old wooden floors, music boxes, leaves in autumn, scraping along the cobblestones. Things like that have been part of my dream landscape for as long as I can remember. They all feature in my stories, which I'm continuing to work on, including stage plays and screenplays. 4.56pm. One of my favourite children's stories has always been Alice in Wonderland. When I was younger, I had a copy of that book on loan from the library more times than I can remember. Yet when I returned to read through the whole story in more recent years, I wondered what the magic was for me. Because at this point in my life, there's only a few places in the story that do have a magic for me. A wistful, melancholy quality that always affected me. But what I had forgotten until I came across this piece of music, this song, just recently, was that part of the charm that always was associated with that story for me was the song Alice in Wonderland. That's the theme tune from the Disney adaptation. I've never watched that adaptation because it doesn't seem to have any of the feel that charmed me about that story. And that song, the theme song, however, was something that I heard outside of the film. When I was a kid, we had an audiobook on a cassette, a Finnish audiobook, that started with this song, sung in Finnish in that case. 
that was the missing piece of the puzzle because that's a really beautiful song. It's got a lullaby-like and music box-like and wistful feel. And it was a big part of what charmed me as a kid. I'm now preparing for season three, with which I'm going to follow some new ideas. But for that, I need to go through some backlog with some eras of art to catch up and synchronize these different things I'm going through so that I'll be able to feature all of them at the same time, starting with the first episode of season three. I'm concerned for my friends and family because I've been feeling out of sorts, especially today, but also from time to time recently, and that has to do with intuitive feelings of something not being right or something possibly about to go wrong. I hope it won't. People can always affect these things to some extent. I am concerned for my friends and their health and their happiness and well-being. I hope none of my friends are surrounded by people like I think they may be. Not too many of them, I hope. But I know that some of them are, as I was saying, surrounded by people who don't really, in their heart of hearts, wish them well. They just want to own them. They want to own the people who are my friends in those scenarios. They want to have control and power over what they achieve in life and what they want. To me, that's criminal. No one should have that kind of influence on other people. And if some of these people manage to derail the dreams of the people that I care about, dreams that take active work to keep going after them, that's a crime beyond description. There's nothing as precious as creative potential and potential for kindness or bringing warmth to other people's lives and anyone who would try to suppress or discourage that potential and that warmth is a personal enemy of mine. I'll put it that strongly. Because life only happens once. You can't destroy another person's life. You can't drag anyone down to your own level of achieving nothing, if that's the case. That's so deeply wrong. I'm definitely concerned, but I hope for the best. I'm here for my friends. One last thing I want to mention. In the first half of the 20th century, the comics published by the companies we now call Marvel and DC featured almost no stories worth reading, especially if you're an adult who has found other things also in life than superhero comics. I was saying that in those early years, and now of course also in these later years, there are very, very few stories worth investing any time in. They were often done by people who didn't want to be doing those stories and working on those characters. Very few of them loved their work, and it shows because it was very routine material that they were producing. In those early days, very few artists knew how to do interesting layouts so that it invited you in right away when you turned the page. It presented an interesting array 
a dynamic, varied selection of images with interesting angles and so on. So when in my journey through some of these older comics, I came across the first stories done by Alexander Toth, who is a legendary comic book artist. It was such a relief to find actually good pages, really interesting, fascinating layouts and designs. If I had to point to the first real master of this type of comic book, then I think Alexander Toth would be at the top of my list. A lot of people would say Will Eisner, but for some reason Will Eisner never really clicked for me. I know that he was a master, I can see that, anyone can see that, but there were things about his work that I couldn't relate to, and his humor never actually made me even smile, let alone laugh. But with Alexander Toth, he had an uncompromising quality that attracts me. I like that kind of directness and lack of attempting to amuse people in cheap ways. With Mr. Toth's work, it was all skill, virtuosity, and ingenuity, and I really like the ruggedness of his style. He didn't try to be cute, but now I have to finish this episode. Thank you again for anyone who's listened. I hope you're well. Take care of people around you when you can, and of yourself. Human life is so fragile and precious. Good night. Take care. Be well.